and we are back with our third episode for this series, What's Up With You. So Jong, how about you tell us about the guest for this week's episode? Alright Manits, so for today's episode, we're going to be talking to Lionel, who is a software engineer at Facebook headquarters. We're going to be talking about a few topics, from his initial application of Facebook, all the way up to his present daily work life in America. Lionel is also going to be sharing the pros and cons of working overseas. Alright, so let's dive into today's episode. Hi Lino, welcome to the podcast. Could you introduce yourself to the listeners? Sure. My name is Lino and I majored in computer science in SUTP, Singapore University of Tech and Design. And I graduated about a few months ago, four or five months ago, I think. And right now, uh, I'm in the US working as a software engineer for Facebook. So you're a software engineer at Facebook. What exactly do you do as a software engineer? So I mean, there's a generic answer and there's a specific answer. Generally, software engineers build systems, uh, build software, and there are a lot of different categories of software engineers. Some people specialize and some people do things generally, so they know a few things broadly, but maybe not as deeply as specialists. So at this stage, I think I'm a generalist. I mean, I'm very early in my career. And specifically, I haven't chosen a team yet. So Facebook has this process where they let you choose a team for the first six to eight weeks. And so I haven't decided on a team yet. And right now, I'm just trying like a mini internship, trying different tasks with different teams to, to get a sense. So what made you want to like choose to work at Facebook? Was it something you always wanted? Or was it just like, a, oh, I saw this um, application was open, so let me just go for it? Um, I think in general, people want to work on things that are interesting. I mean, there's, there are a whole different sort of practical reasons other than things that are interesting. But the long and short of it is that big companies like Facebook, Google, they tend to be high on the wish list because uh, they have very interesting projects. Um, they are on a very big scale. So you, you deal with um, technology that, that is potentially more innovative, could be a breakthrough or something because you're working on problems of a different scale. And as software engineers gravitate, I would think most people gravitate towards those kind of projects because it's more exciting, it's more challenging. And of course, there's a, there's a host of practical reasons. For example, there's the prestige that's tech to a company that can help um, boost your resume, your future. The benefits are also good for a company like that. So I would say that generically, there has been a list of companies that has been high on my wish list. For example, companies like Google, Facebook, Indeed. Um, these companies that are working on interesting problems and have mission that sort of align with my own. And, and of course, mm-hmm. the, the internal culture of Facebook is known to be pretty nice. So from what I understand, there's actually like a Facebook Singapore office. So what made you decide to work overseas and not in Singapore? I think uh, one aspect is definitely overseas exposure. And from my point of view, that's like, uh, sort of time sensitivity to that. I, I mean, when a lot of people were in pre-U, they, they wanted to go overseas for education. And mostly, I would say may, maybe the one of the most instinctive motivation is to have fun overseas or to see things that you've never seen before. Uh, but I would say that the exposure and growth from meeting people of different cultures is great. And I, I think it's time sensitive because I think it, it makes more sense to uh, do it when you're young and when you, are, you still can explore without maybe the burden of without the baggage of having to take care of the family, so on and so forth, or having to move your family around. For myself, I at least at this point, I think I would love to settle down in um, Singapore uh, eventually. So sort of like get it, you know, get the exposure early, and then it'd be less of an inconvenience later on when I want to come back to Singapore. 
I think traveling during this period is quite tough given COVID. But it definitely has to be a huge step for you to jump from, oh, I'm gonna go work overseas, I'm gonna go try something in Silicon Valley. How did you both mentally and physically prepare yourself for such a leap? So, for what it's worth, um, I didn't make such a brave decision because I got an offer before COVID was a pandemic or even an epidemic, I think. And then there's not much options. Once you sign this contract, this contract bounces you to the US office. And there's not much leeway. You can't say you want to go to the Singapore office now because, I mean, we tried that, um, but you can't because there are too many people who got a contract with the US office and the US has a certain headcount that the Singapore office may not be able to support. Um, so I didn't have that option. The, the only other option is that I had was to delay um, the date I start with this year and to come early. But I decided to start early because I didn't see many reasons why not to because I don't think the pandemic will, will subside much anyway. With regards to preparation, there are two areas that are most important. I would say the, the most important one is the logistical preparation. And then that includes doing research, how to mitigate risks. There's obviously not a whole lot of ways to mitigate risks, but you know, just wear a mask, socially distance yourself, try to get on a flight that has less people. Because this is the period that the exposure is, is at its uh, riskiest. Um, so that's the logistical side of things and, and understanding, you know, once you reach the US, what you have to do and sort of, you know, visualize it in your mind because you don't want to loiter outside a lot. And so I think the most anxiety-inducing part is the end-to-end travel. Uh, but once you settle down in a house, in an apartment, a lot of things are now within your control because you can order food, you can order almost anything you want. So that's not too bad. So the next part is, is mental preparation. And I think it helps that naturally I, I'm, not, I'm not someone who worries obsessively or excessively. I, I don't worry so much. I'm a little bit of an optimist. So I like to look at the stats for the mortality rate for people my age and who are fit. And I like to think that I'm fit. So I wasn't that worried because I think the mortality rate was in a single digit range. Um, but I think more importantly is having to part with friends and family in, in, a, in such a turbulent time. And I think at the time when I was leaving Singapore, it felt much more dangerous and riskier than, than now, what I now feel. So I came over and then I, knew, I knew of a couple of friends who are coming over and I told them that actually it's not that bad. You know, there's this amount of prep you can do do it and then that's the most amount of risk you can mitigate and then the risk actually becomes pretty low when you come over here once you reach your apartment a lot of things are within your control so there's this trend that we tend to uh, you know overestimate and maybe that's a survival instinct but we tend to overestimate the dangers of what we don't know yeah so one aspect of that is friends and family worrying for you um, a lot of times i can tell that this is not only something that affects me it also affects my parents uh, it affects my parents the most because they worry about me and it also affects my, my siblings, my friends, yeah. Actually, do you face any resistance from your parents when you told them like, hey, I'm gonna go work on the other side of the earth? Um, not so much like straightforward brute uh, force resistance, but, but more of like the kind of thoughtful resistance where they challenge you and ask you, you know, is this the best move to take? Uh, does this make sense going there right now? And then we evaluated our options rigorously. And it was really quite rigorous. Uh, ask advice from different people, uh, when I finally made a decision with the information, I, I would like to think that they actually started supporting. So it was more of like making sure all the grounds are covered, like getting all the details down. Uh. Hmm, then I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, like before the contract came, I'm pretty sure there was some sort of selection process. Yeah, so was there like an interview and if there was, how was the application process like? Yeah, so I think, I think at some point I was in the sort of reservoir of resumes um, and, and probably Facebook has a huge reservoir of resumes. And then sometimes maybe they reach out to you if they are actively hiring. 
So I think I applied for that internship in 2019, and I went I went for a video interview. Um, I didn't make it past that round. After the summer break, I went for a hackathon in 2019 in their office, and then after the hackathon, they contacted me to ask me to apply. And I think I think many people actually got that email to say, okay, apply for a full time role with us. But that was for the Singapore office. So I spoke to the recruiter, I expressed interest that I want to work in the US, I want to work at Facebook HQ, which is at Menlo Park. And after that, there was a couple of rounds of video interviews. So first round of video interview, I think, was with a Singapore engineer. So the interviewer was based in Singapore. I'm not sure why, because I know the standard protocol is to get US interviewer if you want to join the US office. And the same applies for whichever location you're applying to. And after that one round, I think there was another round with a US interviewer. So during the video interview, they ask you a couple of questions. Usually, I think two to three questions. I never hit the third question. So I used to think that the maximum was two questions. That means I answered everything. But I've heard of friends who answered three questions. That means they were pretty fast. There's a time limit. So some people might, might answer one question because they can't get past the first question. And then after two interviews, they said, okay, congratulations. Now you can go for the on-site interview. And then they, they offer all the logistical support for you to go to the HQ for an interview. Um, things like flight, some expenses, and uh, I think two-day, one-night hotel. Yeah, and then you go over there and then interview. Um, during that interview, that interview is more, it's longer. There are like three rounds, I think. And they ask you like two to three algorithm questions for each round. And then in one of the round, there is a behavioral interview. So they will ask you, okay, have you ever been in a conflict for a project before and how do you resolve it? Um, things like that. After that, um, I come back to Singapore and I just wait anxiously for I think close to two weeks before I got the results. It sounds like a very tedious process. So when you finally realised that you got the offer from Facebook, what was your reaction and what was the reaction of the people around you? Um, I was quite happy. Um, I think my family was also very happy for me. They know that I always wanted to go work in these kind of companies. And these kind of companies are usually companies that are characterised by very good people, very innovative technology, who are at the forefront of whatever they are doing. So what has life in America been like so far? How have you been adapting? I'll say the biggest challenge is somewhat internal in the sense that so when I first came here, I, I stayed in this service apartment for two months and I think 90, 95% of the time I, I spent it alone. So I was on my own. And depending on your character, this, this can do something to your psychological well-being. I mean, at times you, you feel bored, you feel lonely. So that's what I mean when, when I say the biggest challenge is internal. But I was very lucky to to not feel like strong feelings of depression that, that I have to contend with. Yeah. Most of the time I, I keep myself busy reading, exercising, and doing my you know day job. So as far as like challenges to the mental well-being goes, I was quite fortunate. And then there's also logistical challenges, like you know, how do how do you get food? Right now you, you can't eat out. So mostly you can order delivery. And then if you include delivery fee on those platforms and tips, a very simple meal can cost you like I think 15 USD was the minimum when I ordered like a very crappy McDonald's meal. Yeah, I only ordered that because I thought, hey, the McRibs look pretty cool. So they have this <laughs> like, it, doesn't, it doesn't taste good at all. But if you want a, <laughs> you want a decent meal, um, I always reward myself with chicken rice and it's I think 22 USD. So it's very expensive. So I, I do it only like once or twice a week. And then the rest of the time I have to cook. And then, you know, my cooking isn't, isn't that great. Yeah. Roughly, do you know what's your like monthly spendings? Cause like right now it sounds really expensive. I think my monthly spendings, I mean not including rent, five hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean I I I am keeping it low. Yeah. 
So right now, are you working from home or at the office? Yeah, working from home. I mean, because the the infection rates are very high here. So so far, what do you think are the pros and cons of working overseas? I mean, as of now, I don't think you have any local working experience. But what do you think are some pros and cons working in America for now? Um, I think that there are a lot of things to think of. I mean, pandemic aside, because the pandemic really adds a totally different dimension to things. I think w- working in U.S. or overseas challenges you, stretches you, your comfort zone. It's I think it's also the reason why, one of the secondary reasons why people like to go overseas to study because that really transform them, grows, grow them. Um, when you start taking care of your own, you know, living expenses, your, you know, buying, buying, uh, cooking appliances, planning your groceries, those things force you to, you know, be be an adult. And then you start to take care of your savings, and then you start thinking about investments. You start thinking about credit card. Okay, what what are credit cards you get? It can be a bit overwhelming at, at first. You just you just start thinking about tax, and and US tax is not a fun experience. So to a large extent, you have to do it without advice from from your family or, or friends or seniors because the people who work in US is a is still a minority. So it's hard to find people who can give you advice. Um, so you have to contend with these things, and and obviously, all this discomfort is a double edged sword depending on your perspective of life. Some people might not think that there's there's a meaning to it, but I I choose to I choose to look at the good side of it, which is you're forced to grow faster, become an adult faster, which is not too bad. Like the other day, I was assembling a I was assembling the this table that the, this laptop is resting on, and I was I was pretty confident of assembling things because right because the instruction guide is always very clear, and then suddenly there's one part where there was this small hole, and then I need to I need to put this um, nail inside, and then this, this nail has grooves. And then I was like, hey, the Allen key doesn't fit on the head of this nail. And then I start to look at the, the guide again and it says, use a, um, what's it called, power drill. And I'm like, what? I, I don't own a power drill and I don't use a power drill. What if, you know, I drill my finger? So that was, <laughs> that's my first instinct. And I don't know, probably listeners of this of this recording will, will laugh because if, if they have used power drill before, they will laugh at this. But I've never used a power drill. Um, I'm a, there's a reason why I'm a, I'm a software engineer. Yeah. <laughs> So, so I think in my desperation, I so I thought, started thinking about it. Um, I mean, the last thing I want is to is to leave my leave my desk there and try to purchase a, a power drill. So, the first thing I googled was, can a screwdriver screw like a power drill? So theoretically, I was thinking, if I screw really quickly, could it get a nail inside the hole? And you'll be surprised that the answer is actually yes. Like if you combine a certain amount of heating with a hammer and then screwing at the same time, you can apply enough impact and and maybe talk to get a new in. Yeah, but eventually I, I managed to find a power drill from someone. I managed to get it from a friend and then yeah, I managed to drill it in um, with a little bit of trepidation. So these little aspects are, are things that I never had dealt with. I always taken for granted. My, my, my father is the handyman in the family. My mom does the cooking. Um, so I never had to deal with that. And I mean, part of being an adult is also like you start to appreciate these little things. It's not done for free. The second big aspect of advantage of being working of working in US is that I mean I don't think US is a is a superior country on all fronts, but on many things they are very forward thinking and they are very advanced. In terms of software, they are one of the most advanced countries in the world and especially this area of the world, this part of US, there are a lot of talents where you can learn from. There are a lot of and in the in the software world people will know that there are a lot of uh, methodologies that are imported from US. So depending on your view, you might want to work in the country or the company where they are extremely good at doing something. There are a lot of lifestyle reasons why people want to be here. Things are more free. To some extent, people enjoy life more, but that really boils down to personal preference. For example, um, 
every weekend, some friends and I will go hiking. And sometimes it's a one or two hours drive. And we always marvel at how we can work our day jobs during the weekdays and then just drive to like something that look, looks completely different. I think cons is definitely, um, very practically, the tax, the tax in Singapore is, is better than many countries. So when you go overseas, you have to deal with higher tax usually. And then of course, you miss your friends, your family, your loved ones. Okay, so you mentioned that right now you're working online, you're working from home. So I was just curious, what is the company culture at Facebook like? Or is it hard to tell because you're not working in the office? Um, yeah, definitely I haven't gotten a full sense of the culture. But at least from what I experienced, the culture is very open. I used to be skeptical about this aspect of culture. Like what is the inherent value of being open? But when I'm here, after experiencing the company culture, I, I, I enjoy the open culture. For example, um, internally, um, you know, a lot of people use the, the software called Slack, right? For work. Um, they, they use Slack or yeah. they use WhatsApp, Telegram, a combination of different tools to, to communicate. But in, in Facebook, we use a tool like Facebook and it's called Workplace. It looks like a social network, but I think it's probably less distracting. Yeah, so there are some different things that tune to make it more work suitable. And you realize that suddenly that platform becomes a, a place where you can search answers very easily. I think it works very well to connect a big company like that. In fact, I, I, I used to be a, a very staunch um, user of, of Slack, but after using Workplace by Facebook, I feel that for different use cases, Facebook Workplace shines. I think the next aspect is that, um, and somewhat a, a culture shock when you realize that the the, pe- the, the the caliber of people here are very high. You can realize that when you when you talk to them, and then they, you realize they know a lot, but also realize that they are very humble. I, I mean, I can't I can't tell for sure because I didn't have a lot of interaction, but as far as I can tell, they are very nice and they are always very helpful. It's okay to admit that you don't know something; they will help you, and they won't think that you are stupid or something. People are always very nice, people are always telling you, no worries, take your time, no rush, okay, let's just work it out. I mean, this is great because it, it creates a sense of psychological safety to know that, you know, you're safe, you don't feel pressured to perform at a certain level. You know that you can perform at your own pace. But of course, this this doesn't work for every every other company. It probably works if you are an autonomous person, you have pride in your work. And then I think there's, there's something about, um, because this place is collectively for people who are quite high caliber, that there's very little arrogance going on. But if you had a thought experiment and you, and you imagine a, a workplace maybe with, with one person who is much better than everyone else, that person might develop some arrogance or complacency because that's, that's probably human nature. But with everyone being pretty good at different areas, being an expert in some area, uh, you learn to respect each other and, and you learn to be nice, I guess. So, so now I learn to be nice. Yeah. Actually, given this very high standard of the workplace, did you feel like you were like prepared when you entered? Was there any culture shock? Do you feel like, or oh, maybe you wouldn't be able to keep out the others? Uh, that's, a, that's a good question because I, I think you are very rarely prepared fully for something. But it, it was, it was somewhat, somewhat a, a very good surprise to know that okay, these people are creating such amazing things. It's really crazy how internal systems are, how com- complex internal systems are and how well designed they are. Then I started to wonder, can I ever design something like that? But I don't think I was overwhelmed. I mean, I think especially in this line of work, there's a lot of things you don't know. I mean, I would say that after three to four years of studying CS, I, I maybe I, I know only 5% of the things there are to know about computer systems because it's so complex. There are 
okay, maybe not five percent, maybe ten percent, but there are many, many different areas in this in this thing. And and for example, a company, a product like Google, uses so many different tools, so many different concepts and and ideas to be a product like like it is today. So I think based based on um, the, I mean, the past three and four years, I, I realized that it's important to have a growth mindset. So even if you are in awe, don't be overwhelmed. Um, just slowly catch up. And then, you know, find find something that you want to work on, and then slowly expand that circle. It, it's it's probably impossible for you to cover you know hundred percent of, of of this entire field. To be. You mentioned that Facebook has a very open culture. People that are very nice, very humble. So was there any specific experience you had that made you go like, wow, so nice? Yeah. Many, 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 many times. Um, so I was working on this code base, and um, code base is basically source code. Um, this this source code for for a particular product. And I was facing a lot of troubles. I can't even get past the first step because there's so many things I, I didn't understand. And very commonly, I mean, and, and this isn't a specific instance. It happens so many times. Very commonly, um, the, the the engineer who is more senior to yourself, who is who is trying to mentor you, will tell you, okay, how about we jump on the call. And then they will they will explain everything to me step by step, to the to the extent that I feel like even if I didn't understand com science very well, even if I didn't have programming experience, I have a good shot of understanding what he just explained. He was ex- he was he was not only being nice, he was also a good explainer, like like telling me uh, how this works, why they did this, why they chose to use this, and now uh, why the step that I applied didn't work, and what do I have to do instead? What step did I miss? Um, very often you'll find people telling you, okay, you know, feel free to ask any questions you want, feel free to bug me, or something like that. Oh, that's yeah. a very open culture. Yeah, I get what you mean when you say you feel like you're well taken care of. Okay, so after going through this entire process from, you know, the initial administrative work you had to do to prepare to go overseas and then settling into America, settling into Facebook, do you think in general Singaporeans are equipped to work overseas based on your own experience? Or how do you think Singaporeans can better prepare themselves to work overseas? Hmm. Yeah, it's it's a bit difficult to generalize like that to try to give an answer to this, and it's very difficult to quantify. You know what what is what is equipped? Maybe because maybe I'm lucky to work in a a company that's understanding, um, and that therefore I feel okay right now. But I think, I mean, compared to many many other countries, I think Singaporeans are generally very highly educated. Our command of English is also pretty good. I think for most of us, our English is better than our mother tongue. We can read, write well. We are quite critical, I think, uh, and and those in many aspects. I think as long as the Singaporean or the individual is 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 willing, he or she is definitely equipped to to work overseas. Um, how do you think Singaporeans can can better prepare themselves? I think there are two parts, right? First is how how do you get there, and how do you get there is like how do you get into a overseas company? Because I mean, most of the time it's difficult to go to a go to another to another country without a certain sort of work visa. So the first requisite is that you need to get a, you probably need to get a spot somewhere. And I, I think, I, I can't speak for many different lines of profession, but I think for, at least for software engineering, or maybe things like, you know, tangent, uh, adjacent fields like AI and data science, you know, work on your portfolio, work on your internship experiences, have enough, you know, internship, in, internship maybe two or three before you graduate, or even better, four, five, six, you know, if you're hardcore. And if in each internship, try to clock enough experience to show that you can be a valuable addition to the company. And then, unfortunately, uh, GPA still matters for for employment. Yeah, so it's something that, I mean, it doesn't have to be very high, but it can't be too low because it's a, it's a very easy filter that companies like to apply. It's very efficient. Um, so whether or not we think that it matters, like it matters in the real world, it 
it does matter in, in the job market. Yeah, even in the US. And then finally is to research the interview process. It's maybe have some connections, have some people who are in the company who can guide you, can mentor you, can prepare you, tell you okay, what's important to focus on, um, what sort of, uh, how should you think of about your interview preparation? Because for technical fields, you need to prepare extensively. It's like studying for exam, except that, you know, it's a, it's a face-to-face exam. They ask you the question and then you give the answer on the whiteboard. That's for software engineering or, or maybe even data science and AI fields. So that's the end-to-end process. Have a have a good enough portfolio, have good enough internship experiences, GPA, and then um, that, that gets you to the interview door step and then be prepared for the interview. So now that, let's assume now that you, you, land, you land yourself a job in um, uh, overseas company, I, I think one of the most important thing is to, uh, well, I, I, I mean, there are many, many ways you can prepare yourself and a lot of things can be done on the fly. For example, a lot of things I, I can, I don't have to do in Singapore. I can come to the US and then figure out, for example, I don't have to buy um, bed sheets for, for my bed. I can, I can come here and buy. But one of the most important things is to, is to find a community. And, and, and usually I, I, I find that it helps if you find a Singaporean community. Because, I mean, Singaporeans, they probably help each other. So, um, after I've, I mean, I found that there's a, there's a quite a tightly knit um, Singaporean community in the Bay Area. Um, we have a, we have Telegram groups, we have WhatsApp groups, and then we each give each other advice. And, um, you know, we have meetups, gatherings. So, we support each other socially, emotionally, psychologically. Yeah, so I think the single most important thing, is to, thing to do is to find a community and to join that community. Um, otherwise, I think if you have already put so much prep in, you probably want to, you know, you probably dream of working in this co- in this country for whatever reasons. And I think with that kind of desire and ambition, everything else will, will fall into place. You'll you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out like you know what base should you buy. Yeah, the, the rest of the things will, will fall into place. Wow, thank you for the very nice words of wisdom. I feel it's going to be very useful for anyone listening in, even if they are not planning on working overseas, but maybe just going overseas in general for a visit or a long-term stay. So yeah, that brings us to the end of this podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to join us today and uh, sharing so much of the useful information. I'm sure it's going to be very helpful. And we want to wish you all the best for your life at Facebook. Yeah, thanks. Um, thanks all the best to the rest of your, your student life in, in university. 